In today's culture, we can assume as Christians that people know who Jesus Christ is. After all, we celebrate Christmas and Easter, but that is not a good assumption. We need to know who Jesus is, and eternal life is really at stake. That's what we'll deal with today on Walk in Truth Radio. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Mark 8, 2, we pick up the account. Jesus said, I feel compassion for the multitude because they've remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I'm not sure if they ran out of provisions or some people had a little bit of bread or all of a sudden, you know, the realization was that they didn't eat in three days. Can you imagine no food for three days? That's a long time. That's kind of when you start getting desperate. And the Bible says that Jesus felt compassion for them. The question is, did the disciples? Did they feel the same amount of compassion that Jesus did? Do you know, brothers and sisters, if you let compassion drive your life, you will do a lot of good things. If you let criticism drive your life, you will be in a lot of negative places. Let me ask you. In your normal week in life, does compassion drive most of your decision-making, most of your comments to others, or does criticism? Which is it? Well, for the disciples, they had been arguing left and right. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus said, look, I've come not to be served, but to serve. The, The theme verse of Mark's gospel is right behind me. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus was trying to shape the hearts of the disciples. He was trying to show them the compassion of Almighty God. And that's what it says in the Bible about God. He's full of compassion. And Jesus had compassion for the multitudes. The question is, do we feel compassion? One writer says, compassion could be defined this way. It is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the pain and remove its cause. Do you have compassion? You know, sometimes we run across people and sometimes we just fail in the compassion area. We might say to someone, be warm, be filled, I'll pray for you, but do we relieve maybe the immediate need that is quite obvious to us? Jesus was concerned that these people were gonna faint from lack of food. He said, uh, if I send them away, look at verse three, Hungry to their home, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a distance. Some of these people came a long way. And his disciples, in a response once again of great faith, answered him and said, where will anyone be able to find enough to satisfy these men with bread here in a desolate place? The New King James says here in the wilderness, Lord, where are we gonna find bread for 4,000 men plus women and children? Hello? Is this a replay? Didn't we just have this situation? Now, some commentators say maybe they said it with a smile. Maybe they didn't want to be presumptuous thinking that he would do another food miracle so it was something like this. Lord, where are we going to get enough bread? You know, right? Wink, wink. But I have a feeling that they said it with a lack of faith and maybe even a frustration. Maybe they hadn't eaten in a while. You ever get cranky when you haven't eaten for a while? Lord, I don't know where we're going to get enough bread to feed all these people. This is crazy, Lord. And their last solution was to send the people away. Get rid of them. And Jesus was asking them, look at verse 5, Mark 8. He said, how many loaves, key words, two little words, do you have? 
And they said, seven. Now, remember in the previous miracle, who was the one who delivered the little brown bag lunch that got multiplied? Do you remember who it was? It was a little boy. They went on a little mission to find out if anybody had packed a lunch. Anybody got peanut butter and jelly with chips? Man, let's find out. And they found a little boy with his lunch, and he was willing to give it. Remember, he said, here, if you can do anything, right? Five loaves, two fish. But this time, it's not the little boy. Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Oh, wait a minute now. (laughs) This is getting a little personal now. What do you mean, my loaves? We have seven And Lord, I've been doing a little math. There's 12 of us plus you makes 13. There's a few stragglers around here keep following us everywhere we go. They have longing faces. They look like they're hungry. So I've been figuring out how to divide up the seven. All right? Where I'm going to tear it. I might tear it in a place that's in my favor. Right? So we have seven. But certainly the Lord's not going to ask for my bread. Where's that little kid? Hey, did he come on the other side of the lake? Somebody go find that little kid. He seems to be a planner. <laughs> no, I'm not sure if you heard me right. Where are your seven loaves? Oh, Lord, not my seven. Yeah, your seven. You see, it's pretty easy when someone else delivers the stuff to be multiplied. But when you're in my kitchen asking for my bread, we say stuff like this. Doesn't the church have one of those benevolence funds? Have you ever been in a position where you came across a need and you started thinking about options for that person and the Lord said something like this to your heart? No, I want you to take care of that need now. Well, uh, I only got $7, Lord. Then give the seven. But I was going to Del Taco. (laughs) Give the seven. I tend to think that there was a very poor attitude here. You guys hear the story about there were two people waiting for a plane and they were sitting next to each other and the one man went and bought some cookies while he was waiting for his flight. And so he had his nice oatmeal raisin cookies in the package and he, he you know, set them down and he got a little distracted and the woman came up and sat next to him and all of a sudden she grabbed his package of cookies and she began to open the cookies. And he's like, <gasps> what in the world is she doing? And she took a cookie and she ate the cookies. <gasps> How appalling, the nerve of her. So he took a cookie and he started eating it. It was kind of like a little face-off. And then the nerve of her, she took another cookie. Another one. And he was like boiling inside, but he couldn't get the words out. So he took a cookie. He started eating the cookie. Then they're looking at each other. She's looking at him. He's looking at her. And then he looked off to the right and he realized he had never opened his own cookies. (laughs) He was taking her cookies. Perspective. Yes. And so the disciples need some fresh perspective. And Jesus directed the multitude, verse 6, to sit down on the ground and taking the seven loaves. You could hear the disciples in the background. I'm sure hope he's going to multiply stuff. <laughs> I just gave, the, I gave it away. Gave the seven. You know, the Lord's uh, quoted by Paul in Acts 20, 35. He says it's more blessed to what? give than to receive but i'm not sure we really believe that i'm not sure we really believe that god could multiply stuff when we give it away and so jesus told the groups to sit down big groups taking the seven loaves he gave thanks he broke them 
And he started giving them to his disciples to serve to them, to the people, and they served them to the multitude. I don't know how whiny they were as they did it. Took our bread. <laughs> There's 4,000 people plus women and children. How long do you think it took 12 men to serve maybe 10,000 people? I'd say quite a while. And the implication of the language here is that they would come back with their, their basket and the more they came back, Jesus just kept serving it up and the disciples were learning how to serve. Do you hear the message here? You take your bread and you give it away. Jesus is the bread of God and they gave the bread and they served. Notice the repetition of the word serve in verses six and seven three times. And then at verse seven says they also had a few small fish and after he had blessed them. Now there's a little pause here. It seems like the bread miracle's going on and then all of a sudden it comes out there's a couple fish around. I think somebody was hiding fish. Do you agree? It's a bit of speculation, but I think somebody had slipped a couple of fish right here just for safekeeping. You ever done that with your candy in the house? Oh no, son, there's no candy. <laughs> What's that in your pocket, Dad? Looks like the... ERS on the end, is that a Snickers? Oh no. <laughs> Somebody apparently was hiding a few fish. I said at the first service, maybe it was Peter. Maybe they went up to Peter and said, Peter, you, you smell. <laughs> Things are a little fishy. Peter was a fisherman. And then a lady in the courtyard said, Pastor Michael, it wasn't Peter, it was Judas. Just had to be. Anyway, I don't even know. But. And so he blessed the fish and he ordered them to be served as well. You see, what the Lord really wants us to do is give ourselves away for the sake of the kingdom and we'll be blessed. John Wanamaker, founder of the famous Philadelphia department store that bears his name, was a devoted Christian. On a trip to China to observe Christian mission work there, he came across a small village where a group of Christians had begun building a church but lacked money to complete it. In a nearby field, he noticed a strange sight it was the sight of a boy yoked together with an ox as they together pulled a plow held by the boy's father. Mr. Wanamaker's guide explained that the boy had promised his father, he said, Dad, if you will sell one of the oxen and give the money for the building of the church, I will take the oxen's place by pulling the plow. The story says that Mr. Wanamaker fell to his knees and said, Lord, let me be hitched to a plow that I may know the joy of sacrificial giving. Wow. You see, these are the kinds of lessons that I think the Lord wants us to try to act upon by faith, and sometimes we hold back. In Mark 9, if you skip ahead for a second, here's what's going on in the apostles' hearts. Look at verse 33, Mark 9, 33. They came to Capernaum, and when he, Jesus, was in the house, he began to question them. He said, what were you discussing on the way? Mark 9, 34. But they kept silent for on the way they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. And sitting down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all, and what shall he be? Servant of all. You see, the Lord was doing these miracles and he was working in the lives of the apostles to try to get them to understand things about the kingdom of God. Do you not yet understand? And that's why he does a lot of things in our lives as well, that we might get the message. 
So the people ate, look at verse eight, Mark eight, and they were satisfied and they picked up seven large baskets. The word here in Greek means hamper size. In fact, this word is used of the Apostle Paul being lowered in a basket, I believe in Damascus. So the size is like a hamper size and they picked up seven large baskets full of what was, uh, what was left over of the broken pieces and about 4,000, write down Matthew 15, 38, because it says, besides women and children, were fed, were there, and he sent them away. So some believe the number four represents the four corners of the earth of the Gentiles, and they picked up how many? Seven huge baskets full. They ended up with more than what they started, you guys. Do you believe God can do that in your life? Do you wanna be able to defend your faith, what you believe in, why you believe it? We've tackled subjects like Jehovah's Witnesses, the origins of Christmas. In honor of the 500th year of the Reformation, we did two-part message on sola scriptura. Is the Bible alone sufficient? Is it our highest authority? Scientology, intriguing topics that are available on the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. There'll be more to come, more exciting things to come. Do you believe that if you lay down the things that you tend to hold back from God, He can bless you beyond what you could ask or imagine. I'm standing here today telling you that God does that. He's done it in my own life. I've given him what I uh, deemed pretty weak offerings, especially myself, because I look at myself sometimes and I say, boy, that, I guess that's all I can give you, Lord. And the Lord multiplies things in your life. And so about 4,000 were fed. They picked up seven baskets. Seven nations were pushed to the other side of the lake. 12 baskets were picked up on the Jewish side of the lake, seven on the Gentile side of the lake. And Jesus is saying, do you not understand? I'm the bread of life for the 12, the Jewish nations, the 12 tribes, and I'm the bread of life for the seven, the seven that were driven out of Canaan. I am the bread of life for the whole world. Everybody needs me. I don't care where you live, I don't care what your skin color is, your background is, uh, your bank account says, everybody needs the Lord. Everybody. And if you live life without the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be starving for the bread of God. Tom Brady, Harrison Ford, interviewed. Come on, I mean, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, all these big hits. What's the one thing you wish you had that you don't have now that you've had all this success? Harrison Ford, inner peace. Tom Brady, you've won all these Super Bowls. What's the one thing you wish you had that you don't have? Inner peace. What? They're on the mountaintop. They've gotten everything that the world says is important, right? Wrong. You see, you are going to be hungry until you meet your maker. And immediately he entered the boat with his disciples, verse 10, and he came to the district of Dalmanutha. In Matthew, it's the region of Magadan, Matthew 15, 39. It's the same region. Alfred Edersheim, who wrote on the life of Jesus, observed that the Lord ended each phase of his ministry with a feeding he ended the ministry in Galilee with the feeding of the 5,000. He ended the ministry in the Gentile area with the feeding of the 4,000. He ended the Judean ministry before his death on the cross with the feeding of his own in the upper room. So Jesus now moves to the western side of the lake, the Jewish side, and the Pharisees, verse 11, came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation seek for a sign Truly I say to you, no sign shall be given 
to this generation. What more did they need to see? They did not deny his miracles, but they attributed his miracles to who? Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And Jesus said, you're gonna ask for a sign, but you're not getting one. The only sign you're gonna get is the sign of Jonah, right? As Jonah was in the belly of the great sea monster three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. The sign that you're gonna get is the resurrection, but that's all you're gonna get. And Jesus looked up to heaven, and I don't know what the sigh was like, but he was like, oh, Father, they just don't understand. Everywhere he turned, he met people with dull ears and blind eyes. And he continued to show them the heart of God and the work of God and they asked for more, never enough and they're testing him and Jesus took a deep sigh. He said, you're not getting a sign and he left them. And again, he again embarked and went away to the other side, back to Bethsaida Julius this time. Arkent Hughes says, Christ was angry. What a terrible thing it is to have Christ turn his back on you and sail away. But that is ultimately what he does to those who continually refuse his revelation. There comes a time when he gives no more signs, no more help and understanding. But then he asks, what about those who follow him? And they had forgotten to take bread, so Jesus took uh, into the boat, he went to the other side, but the disciples forgot, verse 14, to take bread, and did not have more than one loaf uh, in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, and he said, watch out, 15, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they, the disciples, began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. Now Jesus brings up leaven. Leaven is yeast. And what what does that do? It makes bread rise. Jesus, using a bread metaphor, says watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He was not speaking about literal leaven. How many of you have tried to go on some of those diets where they try to get you to eat gluten-free? Can I get a witness? Sometimes maybe you have a sickness or you're trying to get healthier and you go gluten-free, right? I tried it for a while. I ate some of the bread that they said was gluten-free. I believe it was cardboard. And I was, I don't think I ever prayed so hard. Lord, let me not be, let me not have a gluten intolerance. I love everything that has gluten. Pasta, bread, cupcakes, donuts, (laughs) everything. Please, Lord. The Lord answered that prayer, praise God. We do have to be careful how we eat. Leaven is a type of sin in the Bible, Leviticus 2.11, 1 Corinthians 5.6-8, Galatians 5.9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Be careful. Jesus is saying, be careful what kind of bread you eat. And in the Bible, leaven can represent sin, hypocrisy, perhaps here unbelief, and even false doctrine. Brothers and sisters, please hear me. Be careful what kind of spiritual bread you eat. Be careful who you listen to. There are some guys who are in some markets right now who look good and speak well, but I would very carefully measure what they're telling you. Because just because they look good and sound good, it's not always good doctrine. Be careful what kind of bread you eat. Everybody with me? 
That's what Jesus was saying. And they're saying, why did, who was supposed to bring the bread? I don't know. What did, I thought it was his turn to bring the bread. And Jesus says, aware of this, look at 17, said to them, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Why are you talking about physical bread? That's not what I'm talking about. Two feeding miracles later. Apparently, they still don't get it. And Jesus is about to hit them with, in staccato fashion with a list of questions. He says, having eyes, do you not see? Look at verse 18. Having ears, do you not hear? Have you ever said this to your children before? Parents, you might want to mark these verses. Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? Can you feel the disciples shrinking as he talks to them? How many pieces did you pick up? Class, everybody look at verse uh, 19. And they said to him, probably all together, why don't we all say it together? 12. <laughs> Can you picture the classroom scene here? He says, verse 20, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, class, seven. <laughs> and he says, do you not yet understand? One commentator, <laughs> he brings some light to this. He says, there was a man. He says, some people need some extra help. Like the man who went into a bank, said he wanted some money, the teller asked him to make out a, a check, uh, to make out the check and the, to sign it. So she says, just sign it and you'll get the money. But he wouldn't sign the check. So she said, if you won't sign the check, I won't give you the money. So the man went across the street to another bank where the same conversation took place. But after this exchange, the teller reached across the counter, took him by the ears and banged his head three times on the counter. After which the man took out a pen and calmly signed a check. The man returned to the first bank and said, they gave me money across the street. How did that happen, asked the teller. Well, they explained it to me. <laughs> and all God's people said, bang, bang. Do you, I don't know how many questions there. There's like seven questions. Jesus said, do you not see? Bang. Do you not understand? Bang. Anybody got noggin like that? Hello? That's kind of what's going on here. Jesus says, don't you understand? How many times do I have to drive the same lesson into your noggins? I'm getting ready to go away. You're gonna to have to take the ball and run with it. Get ready. And they sat there. And you know, I'm sure after this particular lesson and this encounter, they contemplated what he said. Now quickly, will this miracle of the feeding of the 4,000 is between a man whose ears are unstopped by Jesus sticking his fingers into his ears and using his saliva, and a man who's gonna be healed of blindness. Let's, we'll just read it quickly, and I'll show you how it all fits together. They came to Bethsaida, 22, and they brought a blind man to him and entreated him to touch him. And taking the blind man by the hand, this is beautiful, Jesus leads him, he brought him out of the village, I'm not sure this guy really knew what hand he was holding here. But Jesus said the Pharisees are like the blind leading the blind. But Jesus leading you by the hand is where you want to be. He led him out of the village and after spitting on his eyes. Wow. 
The second use of saliva, as we've seen here, I think the message is you need my DNA, you need my life in you. And he laid his hands upon him and he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I am seeing them like trees walking about. This seems to indicate the man was not born blind. He knew what trees look like. So this is the only miracle in the New Testament that I know of, you guys, where it's not an instantaneous healing. The only one that I know of where it took, it was like a gradual thing. And Jesus said, what do you see? And he said, well, I, I see men walking around like trees and it's not all clear, they're walking about. And again, Jesus laid his hands upon his eyes and he looked intently and was restored and began to what? See everything clearly. He sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Do you see that in between the feeding miracle the unstopping of the ears and the opening of the eyes is what had to happen to who? To the disciples, and it has to happen to us. And sometimes, here's the hope that we have, sometimes it happens gradually. Sometimes our eyes open a little bit more as the Lord works in our life. And I hope that gives you hope, because for me personally, that's how it's been. In the first five years of my walk, the Lord was knocking me over the head quite often. Can I get a witness? And he was saying, Michael, that has to go. You want to serve me? That has to go. And sometimes I would wrestle and fight God, and then I released it to him, and he gave me something a thousand times better in exchange for that. You see, he wanted them to see everything clearly, and that's what he wants for you and me. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. Really appreciate you tuning into the broadcast today. I'm going to tell you about a website that we have. It's a brand new website. It's called walkintruth.com. And on that website, you can find a new devotional. It's a video devotion called A Step Closer. The intention is to help you get a little bit closer in your walk with Jesus Christ. So go today to walkintruth.com, scroll down on the video devotion called A Step Closer, and our prayer is that it'll get you a little bit closer in your walk with Jesus Christ today. That's walkintruth.com. We'll catch you next time on the broadcast. God bless you. If you've been listening to Walk in Truth for a while and you're benefiting from this radio broadcast and you believe in it, then we need you to partner with us. You can do that by going to our website at walkintruth.com and check out Walk Together based upon Amos 3.3. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Well, if you agree with what we're doing, you're benefiting from it, you want others to hear about it, you can partner with us to reach more people through the radio airwaves at walkintruth.com. Help us out, partner with us today, walkintruth.com. Hey folks, it's Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about our store at walkintruth.com. If you click on the store, we have a number of products up there. They're teaching products, DVDs, CDs, books that are available, all to help your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you purchase a product at our store at walkintruth.com, you help us pay for radio airtime and you partner with us and it's a blessing in both directions. So check it out today. Go to the store walkintruth.com. Click on it. Click on the store. You'll see a number of different products. That's walkintruth.com. Click on the store today and it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you and we'll catch you next time on the broadcast. Thank you for listening to today's program. 
If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.